everyone, this is Will, and welcome to this brand new and exciting episode of The Missing Piece. Please, help me understand, or perhaps you can even answer the question, what do you think is going to happen if China and Taiwan are actually going to have a real-life battle at this moment? Well, on one hand, you might think, well, you're kidding yourself, okay? At this moment, we're in the year of 2012, and no one would like to see another war in addition to the war in Ukraine. But on the other hand, if you follow the news that you know that Taiwan, one of the critical region of China, recently raised alarm because the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, she's on her way to the trip in Asia. But meanwhile, before she started her journey, she hinted that Taiwan might be one of the crucial spots that she is going to visit. But at this moment, we don't know whether she will make it to the spot or not. But one thing I can promise you, the Chinese government is ready to fight back and is also sending the warning not only to Taiwan, but also to the US one more time not to interfere with the domestic, political, and social changes. Well, how much can we believe that? And how should we understand this current relationship between US and China, given this condition, Taiwan is not going anywhere. But meanwhile, let's talk about the 2024 presidential election. It might seem a little bit too early, but in reality, it's not. Well, join our show today. Again, it's our distinguished Speaker is Dr. Michael Patrick, and Dr. Patrick has been on our show many times, and if you know that he's been one of the famous international correspondent for years, and he traveled internationally, specifically studies about leadership and also the international relations. Dr. Patrick, welcome back to The Missing Piece. Well, thank you, Will, and thank you for having me. Uh, it's, it couldn't be a more interesting times that we're living in uh, involving both the U.S. and uh, China and uh, the meetings earlier this week. So I think it's a fascinating time and uh, topics are right on point. That's right, Dr. Patrick. Again, as I mentioned in the intro, I really want to ask the question, and I think this is the question that everyone is hoping to get some credible and reliable answers and sources from you. How would you think that China today is going to face the battle against the Taiwan just because Nancy Pelosi, she's already on her way to visit some of the countries in Asia, Singapore, Japan, and also many other countries. But meanwhile, that before the trip started, she threw out the hint that she was going to visit Taiwan. And as you know, this has been one of the critical region of China. And also this set the firestorm for mainland China. So help us understand what was the purpose of her trip and how much do you think that her intention is to trigger the anger of Chinese government by visiting Taiwan? Maybe she wouldn't, but at this moment, everything is still up in the air. Is there anything that we missed today? Well, we're walking in in the middle of a drama. I mean, politics is about is about a play usually going on in terms of peep uh, of smoke and mirrors things mm. going on on the surface when the game is perhaps like if you like playing chess is perhaps a, a few moves coming or have already set in motion a number of things and let me be specific about it uh 
you know, when this story first broke, it broke from the White House, which was very interesting. It was leaked by the White House. She had been planning this. Now, Nancy Pelosi, as many of your viewers may know, has always been a strong advocate of Taiwan. Mm. And this story broke from the White House as she said about going uh, to visit uh, Korea. She's uh, first stop is Korea. She's doing Singapore. She's traveling through Asia with a, with a congressional uh, group. And she had mentioned in there, well, maybe she would stop over in Taiwan, but she's made no concrete confirmation that that's her intention. Now, we hear that, and I think that obviously, uh, she's also going, by the way, to Singapore, Malaysia, and Japan. These are important uh, countries in Asia, and that it would be perfectly normal for a congressional uh, delegation to go there. She, uh, The last delegation to go there uh, to China, to uh, uh, Taiwan would have been Newt Gingrich many years ago. Then, uh, of course, actually Nancy had been there before she was Speaker of the House or second in line to the presidency. So she's a significant player. But one of the things that's very that very interesting about this is we is let's back this up a little bit and talk about something just briefly for this issue about the election coming up. Mm. When you're looking at Washington and there's an election coming, everything relates to the election. Mm. The number one issue in the United States right now is inflation. That's right. Now, the president only has a few tools in his toolbox to affect it directly in, in a very short time. One of those has to do with trade mm. and that, in fact, if they can lower the consumer price index, that maybe by as much as 1%, they could pump some money back into the economy and he might move down inflation as, as 1% or more based on actions he takes in trade. Now, let's see what country comes to mind when we think about affecting trade. China. Mm. China has, has a, a huge invest, uh, investment tied up in the tariffs that were imposed four years ago by President Donald Trump. And we're talking $250 billion and more. Uh, it, was, uh, it was earlier in July, not that long ago in July, when Biden made his own comment uh, where he said, I'm thinking about maybe lifting those, those trade sanctions on China. And Biden is in a domestic situation where he's already being considered as very soft on China. We can go all the way back and talk about all sorts of details of that, but he's been seen as being soft. So this is kind of like uh, what we call good cop, bad cop mm. in the uh, in the uh, vernacular, where one cop acts easy, one cop acts, acts real hard-nosed, and they pretty soon accomplish what they want to do with in, in the situation so that Biden can let it slip that she's going and and Pelosi can take one for the team. She's not committing to going to Taiwan, mm. but she brings it up, which guess what? Gets the natural, normal reaction you would expect from President Xi. He's got he's got the big uh, his big gathering of the Congress uh, coming up where they're going to an island and he'll get his third term will be confirmed there. They've got the, 
the military wing of the Communist Party has its anniversary on the 1st. And uh, so this is like, would not be the time that anybody would sensibly want to create an issue with China, especially over Taiwan. And in fact, uh, Biden kind of plays both sides. He goes, well, you know, Nancy doesn't represent my office, Mm. the White House, as if anybody is going to take these as completely separate operations. So uh, what happens is, is Nancy kind of plays the, the bad cop. And then this allows Biden to do what he's already been thinking of doing for very political reasons, is doing away with or setting aside large portions uh, of this trade in, uh, tariffs that he has. This allows him to then be positioned to be a hero in the United States by dealing with inflation. Uh, people can say he's not being, uh, you know, he's not, he's not just succumb to China's influence to do this, that he's dissolving a fake, as it were, conflict. It's not fake on China's part. China's real about don't play with fire. Mm. That's that's obviously true that's and nice. natural, especially in the current context in China. So they get China to roar at them and they go, see, we're, we're just trying, I'm just coming in and diffusing a bad situation mm-hmm. with China with these tariffs. But he also knows it'll help him on the inflation issue. So I think there's, that's a long storytelling behind the scenes kind of nonsense. But I, I don't think we're going to see Pelosi go anywhere near Taiwan. Mm-hmm. She will look like she was tough on, tough in support of Taiwan. And Biden gets off the hook for being, quote, easy on China by letting by by executive order, which he can do and a few things on his own. He doesn't have to go through Congress. He can lift those trade sanctions. So this comes out to be a win win for China and the end, Joe Biden. But they need they needed to set this kind of uh, role in motion a good cop, bad cop, bad cop and allow uh, uh, Pelosi to take one for the team and and say that, well, I'm not going, even though she never was going to go. So mm. this was how Washington plays politics, and it involved China. I think it's rather a crude operation of how it's worked out. I don't think you're going to see her go anywhere near Chi- uh, near Taiwan uh, on this issue. And uh, But you're right, China would have every reaction uh, if if somebody came in particularly at this time mm. and started playing games with Taiwan. Uh, we don't know that's how it's going to work out, but it sure looks that way. If you look at what has been said, even within the last 30 days, uh, by uh, Biden's people and, and the, the buzz in Washington. You know, Dr. Patrick, interestingly speaking, that before Nancy Pelosi announced her trip to Asia, including the region of Taiwan, that mixed of messages were sent out from the White House. So in other words, on one hand, again, as we mentioned in the intro or before taping the interview, that we said a few higher officials tried to stop Nancy from visiting Taiwan because they clearly understood that by visiting Taiwan and this is not the prime moment and this is not the prime time for her to take such actions. But on the other hand, remember there are still some hard 
core Republicans and Democrats who actually take bold stand on behalf of Taiwan to be against China. You know, given many issues, for example, the territorial dispute, human rights abuse, uh, 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 technology or technological theft, you know, putting everything together. But again, as you mentioned before, recently the Chinese leader Xi Jinping and sitting U.S. President Joe Biden just had the fifth virtue meeting. And again, we didn't really understand a lot more content were being discussed within this meeting. But on the general sense, it was about diplomatic relations and it was about trade relationship, those common mutual economic prosperity. So again, my next question to you, Dr. Patrick, is how would you evaluate or how should we assess the relationship between China and the U.S. at this moment? Because significantly speaking, this year, 2022, has been so difficult and so uh, challenging for both leaders. And why do you think it's so important that we need to address this bilateral ties? And meanwhile, don't you think this uh, Nancy Pelosi's trip to Asia that indicates some sort of internal fracture within this Democratic Party? Help us understand, Dr. Patrick. Well, you know, if you have... Uh two Democrats in a room, there's three different opinions uh, about what should be done. Uh, they they disagree just to disagree uh, with each other often. That's one of the reasons they, they have been, one of many reasons they've been ineffective, even though they control the House, the Senate, and the White House. Uh, but I, I think the next actual concrete thing you'll see is a meeting between Biden and Xi coming up uh, in a meeting, I think it's in Indonesia coming up before long. Mm. It's, it's just around the corner. That's right. Uh, and I think that'll that'll move forward. And probably by that time, we'll also have seen, uh, or near that time, we will see the uh, uh, the trade sanctions uh, tariffs uh, lifted, uh, which will definitely be a positive piece of news for both China and. Uh, and the United States, and uh, from the from the from the view of many people who support lifting those those tariffs, not all do, but but it certainly plays to Biden's uh, uh, short term goal. If it does give a bump in in Biden's favor in uh, lowering inflation, so I don't I don't I don't see this as being a lasting issue. I think certainly. Uh, the, the disagreements that exist around the world over the issues of, of uh, uh, Taiwan are clear. I don't think those are going away anytime soon. But here's something I spotted in, in listening to the, the, the headlines flying on this kind of like uh, you got to watch when you're watching a musician. They're often, do, uh, excuse me, a magician. They're doing their tricks right in front of you. So you just have to watch carefully. Mm. But the whole thing that came up about uh, whether or not uh, Biden said that he had brought up human rights and the Uyghur situation, China's foreign minister said, no, that's disinformation. That did not come up. Well, now, yes, both sides put out their own their own kind of summary view that's usually fairly vague out of the White House as to what was talked about in the conversation. But there are transcripts somewhere to discuss whether or not this actually took place. And 
with with the frequency with which Biden lies to the American people on a regular basis here, people are saying, you know, that this could be either side kind of spinning the, the spinning the story here uh, about whether it was even discussed. The implication being that it probably if it was brought up in kind of an oblique or from an angle, there really wasn't an, any kind of significant conversation. But Biden is likely to say they did have a conversation all in a very unspecific way because he didn't provide any details that it makes you wonder that if Biden was simply playing to certain, again, domestic audiences uh, from a political point of view, because this is an issue that resonates with a lot of his base. Mm. And so he had to say something, but doesn't mean that it was brought up. In fact, both of them may have very valid opinions of saying that, no, we really didn't discuss it, mm. it even if it was mentioned in, in a passing way. So uh, I found that very fascinating. Again, Biden is playing to a domestic audience with an election right around the corner that affects a lot of Democrats, uh, particularly who very easy, very likely will lose their jobs mm. in November. Uh, that's a whole nother issue, but uh, as to what's happening with the elections, but that's, I think with that, I found that very fascinating that, that I, and, and amusing that China said, no, 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 wait, he did not bring it up. Mm. Okay. And, uh, I thought that and I, that just made me smile because, you know, Biden has a habit of kind of saying things and then having to figure out, well, how do we unsay them? Mm. And uh, who knows? We'll see. Dr. Patrick, let me be devil's advocate for the next question, because we know that China is a rising power. And not only again, as you mentioned before, in November, that both Joe Biden and Xi Jinping and also the leader of South Korea, Japan, you know, uh, some of the critical countries in Asia, they are going to meet in Indonesia to attend this upcoming G20 summit. And I think that's yeah. part of the reason why recently the Indonesian president, he wrapped up his trip. As a matter of fact, he started his journey. First leg was actually in Beijing. And then he wrapped up his journey in South Korea. Again, for the preparation of the G20 summit. But let me ask yeah. the question, how much do you think the world, specifically regarding the countries in Southeast Asia, including uh, uh, the U.S., can trust China at this moment. Because we know that based on the reports and based on the reality, recently that China's zero COVID policy failed and this economic slowness stunned the world. And meanwhile, you know, there are a lot more critical issues that Xi Jinping has to deal with before this congressional meeting or this party uh, uh, get together very soon. So that, so I want to ask you, how much can the world trust China and also the leader of China today in order to further or to enhance the collaboration effectively? Well, I think that uh, I would be surprised if a simple incident led him to make a major decision uh, like a Nancy Pelosi situation. I think not that they might have, I think they would have genuinely corralled her in some measure if that happened. But I frankly don't think, I thought that, I think that was all part of a game being played mm. uh, for uh, 
other purposes. Mm. Uh, but I, I find uh, uh, the China's president to be a very calculated, planning sort of individual. He knows what he's going to do. He knows when he's going to do it. I think he's a lot more measured uh, and uh, and in that way reliable based on who he is and what he thinks mm. than say Russia. Uh, Russia pumps out the propaganda. They all do. All mm. all countries are loaded with propaganda. <laughs> but I think Russia's the more unstable. Uh, Putin's the more unstable of the leaders. Uh, well, in in a, in a direct way. Uh, so I think that as it regards as it regards Taiwan, uh, I don't anticipate seeing something er- erratic on the basis of China. They say what they're going to do; they do it, and it, and uh, you know th- that takes two sides to to make that work. But uh, I'm not expecting him to uh, to to as as it were pull a stunt. Although that's quite possible, and I say, if you recall, I said I said so at the time of uh, uh, before the Olympics that after the Olympics are done, uh, this was a time when they see Joe Biden as being uh, a weak president, mm. and that creates an opportunity and a window for for others to to make their moves, which of course uh, we saw Putin do. And that's even a more volatile situation at the moment. So uh, we'll see. I don't think we can we can second guess him on that. I'll be very interested to see what happens at the uh, in some of the events coming up. Mm. I do think there's a real possibility for Biden and uh, and she to get together uh, in, in Indonesia. I think mm. that's far more likely than anything going on any further regarding. Uh, uh, regarding Nancy Pelosi. Hmm. Now, Dr. Patrick, I got one more question before we move on to uh, domestic affairs. Recently, I'm sure that not too long ago, you also uh, read the news that former uh, Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe was sadly and tragically assassinated. Now, this such news astonished the entire international community because we know that Abe creates such a legacy, not only with the country of U.S., but also he generated a lot more economic partnerships, for example, with countries in Africa. And also, remember, under Abe, that the Quad relationship was built or was solidified, you know, with the U.S., with Australia, Japan, you know, India, all those crucial countries. But fast forward, Joe Biden just recently wrapped up another trip in the Middle East, and also he created another group. That's what they called Middle East Quad. You know, include Israeli, uh, 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 Israel, and also the uh, um, UAE, and also India and US as well. So my next question to you is: by the standard or by the effort from the US side. That putting more Asian strategic countries involved in different levels or in different categories or, you know, whatever you want to call it, organizations or committees. How would you think that China should react to the Quad relationship, to the I2U2, and also to the Joe Biden's risen trip in the Middle East? So in other words, would you do you think that China should be so anxious and concerned 
about the U.S. presence and also elaboration in term in, in with those allies and partners. What do you think, Dr. Patrick? Well, I think uh, President Xi is about ready to get another five years, mm. uh, which I don't think anybody thinks otherwise. Uh, Joe Biden is already considered. I mean, if you look at the polls, he's at 38 percent, the lowest of any modern president. And uh, and uh, uh, there were there were times when people thought that uh, Richard Nixon should be removed from office. And he was at about 38 uh, percent. Biden's pretty well done as anything uh, as an effective president. He is he's the lame of the lamest uh, at this point from a historic point of view. He's got two years max left running for office uh, again as is really just kind of a, a circus show discussion because it really isn't isn't happening. Uh, and uh, so there's nothing there really, I think, for uh, President Xi to think about. He's got his own plans. He's making progress. I think that there are every, both sides, all sides are going to be very, uh, have their hands full as it were, dealing with uh, food shortages, with energy shortages, these are these are not temporary issues. Mm. Uh, climate change. Um, I, I'm surprised China waited as long as it did to begin to ramp back some of its controls on uh, uh, that were the early controls involving COVID. The science is overwhelming about the limitations of masks. Overwhelming about the effectiveness of lockdown. These issues, which People who brought him up at first were considered uh, were considered, you know, following tinfoil conspiracy theories. The fact is, the science was well established. Science hasn't changed. People didn't want a lot of the science out there, mm. and uh, they're finding right now that the science is clearly that you, those old methods aren't functional anymore. Now, I'm not saying that China didn't have reasons to do what they were doing. I'm not questioning that. But I am saying that it's time to move on. And I think China's uh, got some very clear directions of what it's doing with Belt and Road. And I think it's going to continue to follow a, its, its organized, thought-through path. And what Biden does, I don't think, is going to prove to be significant mm. beyond, of course, lifting some of those, those uh, uh, trade restrictions and tariffs until uh, uh, the next president. So the next president becomes an issue. But right now, any kind of organization of, of nations is really gonna, they're all gonna have their hands full. They're gonna have their hands full with energy, with food, and, uh, and many other kinds of, look at what happened with just weather across mm. much of, of, the, of the world. Uh, with with all kinds of natural disasters and fires and other things. So everybody's got stuff to do. And I don't think it's anything for she at this point to be concerned about in terms of what other countries out there are doing, but to con the con kind of steady state moving forward with his plans. And he's, he's uh, established himself uh, deeply in a variety of countries, including Africa. Mm. I'm, I think watching Africa is going to be fascinating because mm. uh, China has great inroads in in China and China. I mean, excuse me, great inroads. Yes, they do. Uh, great inroads in Africa uh, because uh, Africa is in trouble and is going to be hit the hardest from 
food shortages mm. and things like that. So, Dr. Patrick, let's move on to some of the issues regarding our domestic affairs. As you mentioned before, right now, at this moment, as we're speaking, that everyone is following and also is paying attention to this upcoming midterm election in November. It's very crucial for the Democrats. But meanwhile, the Republicans are not sitting on the bench and just watching how the Democrats are continuing to react and also to to uh, re uh, to readapt themselves into these upcoming challenges. But there are some contenders that who are very much interested in the 2024 presidential run. For example, Pete Buttigieg, the uh, the well-known um, uh, what was that called? The well-known mayor. And also we've seen Cory Booker, you know, again, uh, uh, last time he was trying to compete with Joe Biden, with other, you know, famous icons as well. But meanwhile, people are right now within this Democrat Party are pushing some of the extreme progressives. For example, uh, um, Alexandra um, Orsia Cortez, you know, again, so at this moment, Dr. Patrick, I don't want to ask you who you think will be the next competitor for the 2024, but help us to understand the simple question is, how much room do you think the Democrats have today in order to build or continue the political reputation? Again, we are looking at this crossroads. Will the table turn again to Republican uh, to Republican? If so, how much winning how many winning tickets can the Republican actually can compete with the Democrats at this moment? Well, you know, th th this is a fascinating uh, for all the elections I've covered over many years. Uh, this one was the most fascinating and, and, and for a time puzzling one for me because here you had a party in the Democrats who uh, ostensibly, whether you believe it or not, had a majority vote in the uh, uh, in, in the presidential race. Mm. Uh, they controlled the House. They controlled the Senate. They controlled the White House. And you would have expected them to govern in the middle and capture enough support from basic American uh, values and direction to have have solidified their role for 20 years uh, to, to be very strong because they could have passed all sorts of legislation mm. by pulling together. But we're we're watching and I've brought that up. I said, why did the Democrats implode the way they have? Mm. I mean, inflation has gotten crazy and we can talk about that as a different issue. But uh, they, they, they let the borders just collapse mm. and the huge drug uh, imports into the U.S. Uh, uh, with uh, all sorts of, of uh, cartels that are operating on sex slave trade. And I mean, the amount of pro problems with public schools, uh, uh, putting at the very forefront issues on on sexual choice. So I'm I'm sitting there watching a Supreme Court candidate woman say they couldn't answer the question what is a woman i mean mm. you had you had all kinds of dynamics that are true to for, true to form for a lot of democratic points of view but if they could pull a bad card out of the deck they kept doing it mm. and alienated i think a great deal of the average american electorate the guy who's whether you call him a republican or a democrat he gets up in the morning he goes to work 
He's he comes home. He wants he wants to have his paycheck, take care of his family, and and they alienated all of these people through all kinds of choices that were they were made. And there are at least six or seven critical issues, and starting with inflation, that will be dead center at the uh, at the come election time. You can you can uh, you can get a lot of issues wrong or right out there and and a lot of them are border issues like a like a uh, abortion but those aren't the ones that decide elections get into the pocketbook of a working class american family and that decides elections and the the history of that is long wonderful people like you know jimmy carter were in trouble over you know elections i mean over the the, the financial conditions so and lost elections so th- the issue is clear is is i think it's it's fairly undeniable that the Democrats have blown that the their 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 muffed their opportunity by not governing to the middle. Mm. And even when it became apparent that they were losing, they didn't shift and govern to the middle. Uh, they kept putting out the most extreme kinds of positions and basically running to their own base. But their base has collapsed. Hispanics have moved dramatically to the to see what the Republicans have to offer. They've been losing larger and larger numbers of black leaders. Uh, the Democrats are in trouble, and it may take a long time for them to get it back. Having said that, uh, the, 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 the party is going to switch dramatically, and the power of controlling Congress uh, is going to change. So that if anybody had any doubts about Biden being fairly well retired as a president in the next two years, that's that's a foregone conclusion. Mm. I think Uh, that's not really up for any kind of number counts. And the Democrats would tell you the same thing. Uh, There's no way they can count it. Uh, So uh, why they gave it away? It's a bit of a mystery. I've been actually formulating ideas about why they continued to do what they're doing. Uh, but they they were they thought they could collapse the system and they just weren't able to get the things through on the most radical points that they thought they could. Uh, we'll see what happens, but I think uh, the Republican, now the question is, can the Republicans govern? Uh, and it depends on who they go for in, in, in 2024. Uh, you mentioned Trump. Uh, uh, Trump, uh, you watch Trump, and I actually have to, have to chuckle when I watch him talk because he hasn't changed. The Mm. same stuff comes out of his mouth. That's right. He's really strong on certain issues, but you're going, good heavens, guy. I mean, can you just like, (laughs) he is, he is a strong dose Mm. of whatever it is. He's whatever medicine he may be. He's a very strong dose. So I, I guess I'm a little more reluctant to believe that, that Trump will even be on the ticket at this point, but he may be on the ticket. I don't think they're going to slow him down uh, when it comes to getting to the conventions, but ultimately is he going to be the candidate or are they going to get someone uh, who they feel is Americans are tired really of having a circus in the white house. And I think that uh, with all of the kind of oddball stuff that's happened, but they're, they're very unhappy with what's happened. Mm. And, and, and a lot of Democrats are apologetic. I mean, rank and file working class Democrats are, you know, they're just, 
they they look at what's happened and they can't believe it, but neither can a lot of other people. So um, we'll, well see. But Dr. Patrick, one thing that we can't stop talking about it, but these days, I guess the mainstream media are being so silent and quiet. But in reality, we know this is one of the major issues that we have to address not only for this domestic affairs, but also it correlates with international affairs as well, is Hunter Biden's relationship with the foreign politicians. Remember, for so long at the beginning, the Republicans or the country are very much interested in knowing the dirt from Hunter Biden. And given the fact that his father was the vice president of the states. But these days, Hunter Biden has gone so silent and no one is actually talking about the damages, not only politically, but also this economically corruption under this person. So I want to know again, you, I mean, you work for years as an international journalist and also as an investigative journalist. Dr. Patrick, is it still meaningful and worthy for us to talk about Hunter Biden at this moment? And if so, how much do we actually care or how much do we need to know regarding Hunter Biden's corruption within the family, within this political system, and also even could damage much greater to the Democratic Party? What do you think? Well, you know, the, the whole Biden issue for me uh, was, again, another one of the circus events going on. Uh, he was has never been... Uh, you know, there's been no real serious, uh, I think, uh, effort to tag him for violation of, of foreign uh, rules on lobbying and being involved with uh, for, foreign governments. Uh, and and incl includes China in that, uh, but also lots of other things he's been doing. Uh, what bothered me, perhaps, uh, and, and still bothers me, and still an open question, is not Hunter Biden himself, mm. uh, poor thing. I mean, he, he, made, he tried to make money off his dad. He, you, know, uh, you know, Joe Biden lie, has lied about it. Everybody knows he's lied about being involved in, and knowing about it. Uh, some of the corruption, he'll never, that'll never turn into anything. But it was the intelligence services of the United States that I would keep my eye on because they put out a letter where several members of several intelligence agencies in the United States, basically without saying it in a direct way, gave uh, Hunter Biden a pass. Mm. They gave the whole uh, fake dossier against Trump. They gave it a pass. Uh, the both the FBI and the the, the uh, uh, CIA and the Department of Justice kind of basically gave it all a pass, and th these were efforts that that affected the outcome of an election. I we, we've even heard an intelligence officer said uh, say not that long ago saying, "Well, sure, but you know, I'm glad we did it, and I'd do it again." Mm. And so, I my question is: is what in the world? scared them so badly about Trump or encouraged them about Biden, for heaven's sakes. Are they happy with Biden now? Is have they really gotten what they wanted they wanted to achieve? The intelligence services and 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 some of the people in the DOJ and some of the people in the FBI uh, 
pulled some crooked stunts, basically, to try and pitch the election mm. and uh, against Trump. And uh, I understand why people are rabid about Trump, mm. but I, I'm wondering where are they going next? Who are they going planning to back for the next election? Uh, because they are a, a major force to be reckoned with in the United States and apparently now in elections mm. in the United States. Their, the, their partisanship be, has become patently obvious to anybody following it. As in the past, you kind of hoped, well, they were kind of neutral players. Mm. They weren't out on the field actively playing for one player against another. Uh, that's not so sure anymore. And maybe it was never sure. Maybe it's there's things that have been going on for years. And I have friends that will argue yes and no over that. My point is not raking over the past. But right now, are they prepared to be uh, to to step out of the political game regarding uh, the election of 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 leaders in the United States? Or are they playing the game for one favored person or party over another? I don't I don't have the confidence. I lost the confidence that I might have had that they could be counted on to be neutral players mm. uh, on behalf of the American um, the United States and Americans. So uh, we'll see. But to me, I'm, I'm not concerned what Hunter does and if he goes away or doesn't go away. Uh, I am concerned about the intelligence services of the United States, the FBI and the DOJ. Mm. And they don't have to convince me. They have to convince the public because the public is, has grave doubts now about all three of those institutions. Mm. And uh, let's see what they choose to do if they're going to be players in the next election or not. Dr. Patrick, I want to wrap up our conversation with an, one last critical question. You know, we've seen and also we've read answer from the surveys. And very often during this political or election season, one of the questions plays a significant role, which is, do you think America is on the right track? Whether that means politically or economically or culturally. And of course, that based on the reason answer, if I'm not mistaken, more than 43% of Americans who participate in the survey believe America is not on the right course. You know, again, politically or economically speaking. So I want to ask the same question to you because you always answer the question with uh, a deeper analysis and also with uh, uh, insightful, uh, uh, how can I say, approaches. So, Dr. Patrick, how would you think the world today sees the role of America? You know, again, back in the days, we always believed that, you know, uh, uh, to quote Ronald Reagan's uh, 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 saying that U.S. was supposed to be the beacon on the, uh, on the hill or also to be the light of the darkness, to be the example of democracy. You know, the capitalistic system uh, demonstrates the freedom. To, I mean, the list can go on and on and on. But today, putting everything together, do you think the country is still on the right track? And how do you think the rest of the world sees what's happening in America today, particularly related to all the cultural wars, the political disentanglement, and also this economic crisis? And what do you think? Well, you know, I, it's it when you when we stand back and, and look at what the outcomes of what we're seeing in the United States. 
Uh, some people, if you asked them, are we on the right track, they would be saying they would be thinking on the right track to what we used to be. Mm. I really don't think we're going to see that emerge. I don't think we're going back to something we once might have been. I think the changes and the brokenness and the chaos is too deep and too broad to expect it to return to normal, as it were, from some years ago. Uh, there's uh, too much water under that bridge. Uh, I do think that there's a chance for it to be constructive mm. and for the United States to play a significant role, uh, perhaps a more limited leadership role, but to play a significant impact uh, and role in the world in the world situations that mm. we're facing going forward. Uh, how it does that, I don't think it's going to be a issue that one party can solve or another. It's going to take parties working together, which we do not have. We have a country that is, I think, irreparably damaged, and it's going to take generations. Uh, we need to speak in generations to see the level of broad cooperation. Now, there's people that want to gravitate and talk about the great reset and all of that. And I think that's that's uh, wishful thinking by some people at the international level, but they're using a lot of power and a lot of people and a lot of uh, propaganda to try and capture the flag as it were themselves. I think it's the United States is going to make changes, but I, I still think that there's some chan chances for the United States to play a strong leadership mm -hmm. role. And, uh, uh, and and become a harbinger, as it were, of the kind of freedom that most of the world is looking for. Mm. So I still think that's possible. Um, one election, one politician is not going to do it. It's going to take a breadth of people who may disagree, but who who rejoin a system that is trying to make that happen in a mm. cohesive and coherent way. And right now... <laughs> We got it. We got to get some lights on in the room because the lights right. have been blown out, That's and right. uh, we don't. And we need a lot more lights on than we've got right now. Uh, so uh, we'll see. We'll see if we start with the next election uh, a rebuild, but it's it's looking as uh, grim as it were as as it could be for for the moment. I think this is why China is continuing to grow. Mm. This is why China has. Yes, it's got some very significant problems with the finances, with all sorts of other trade and a lot of things going on. Uh, and uh, but it, it has its own story to tell. Mm. And the United States has one as well. We'll see what it, what takes place in the next election and uh, and whether or not uh, somebody figures it out that the where we're going, you can't where we want to go. You can't get there from here. We're going to have to do some things differently. That's right. You know, uh, I remember several years ago, Dr. Patrick, I read a book, and if I'm not mistaken, the title of the book is called It Looks So Much Better Than We Think, or It Is So Much Better Than We Think. So in other words, we know the year of 2022 has been very bumpy and also unpredictable for the whole world. You know, we can talk about this economic slowness across the continent, and also we can talk about this political upheavals within some of the countries. But meanwhile, again, you know, as a Christian, I always say, hey, when we are down to nothing and God is up to something. So I always say I still place the faith in the Lord. And, and I believe that 
No matter what we do and every single step we take on a daily basis, we just keep the world in prayer. And as we believe that politicians and businessmen and also the leaders and mayors and even the average workers and still are hungry for the truth and they're looking forward to the much brighter future because we still need to work together after all. Well, Dr. Patrick, it's been a pleasure of speaking to you and thank you so much for taking your time to join the show. And again, as I mentioned before, every time when we hear the answers and analysis from you are not just the cliche from the mainstream media, but there are something more truthful and something much more honest that we need to know in addition to the facts that we are looking for. So again, Dr. Patrick, thank you so much for doing this. Well, I just 